Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainor, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our Kardashian Season 3 Episode 8 Recap. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I feel like the last month of Kardashians have been these really intense episodes with like 13-page outlines. And this one just feels like a true old-fashioned filler episode, good time, nothing too crazy. Can I tell you exactly how I feel about it? It's like they put us through the fucking ringer because not only did we have to sit through the intensity of the Courtney and Kim fight, but then we also had to like take it on as our own issue. And I was exhausted after those couple of episodes. And so all we had to do is sit down and be rewarded with Scott. Like, are you fucking kidding me? No, this was really prime definition of just like, you know what? I can put this on and I can enjoy There's a tweet that Isabel always references that's like, I love the Kardashians so much because it's like taking my brain out and putting it in a warm bath. That's exactly how I felt watching this episode. I mean, for an opening with Chris and Scott talking in my dad's accent, you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) When Scott hit her with the, how you doing? I was like, this is so Steve Diamond coded. Extremely (laughs) Steve Diamond coded. Extremely. And Isabel even texted us that without even being with us to watch it. I know. We open here with Scott and Chris in Chris's kitchen talking about Mason's Bar Mitzvah, which was something we watched go down in real time. Jury's still out on how much, if any of that, we will get on the show. Obviously, as we know, Mason seems to really not be into the cameras at this phase of his life. So it's possible maybe it would be covered a little bit without really focusing on him. Maybe not at all. We'll see as the rest of the season progresses. The line to mention here is when Scott walks in wearing his double Jewish star necklace and Chris comments on it. And he says, yeah, I mean, I got to represent for the Jews these days, which obviously, as we know, everything that was going on with Kanye and the anti-Semitism at the time, that felt like, you know, a direct acknowledgement without saying it. Not that he gave us so much here, but I think that's something we were curious about during everything that was going on with Kanye was how it was affecting Scott being the only Jewish member of the family. And so, yes, it was just a slight reference to wearing the Jewish star necklaces and and what it was representing, but it was a little bit of insight into what he was feeling at this time. Yeah, I mean, in the height of Kanye's most anti-Semitic rants, when you and I would be coming on the podcast, you know, talking about it, discussing how upsetting it was, that was a point we always mentioned. What's going through Scott's head? What are those conversations like? And I never expected that we would get a conversation between him and Kim, for example. But this to me felt like probably the most acknowledgement about it we will get. And it, it, it did feel purposeful, even if minor. Totally. Another thing with this scene on a more lighter note is... Where we left off with Courtney and Kim take New York, we were watching a whole episode where Scott was really trying to get in touch with his Judaism again. He went to synagogue and he wanted to have Shabbat dinner at the house. And it was this kind of back and forth between him and Courtney where Courtney didn't think he was serious about it and thought it was this phase that he was going through and was kind of giving him a hard time about it. And he was saying, you know, no, I'm not an observing Jew. No, I don't go to synagogue every week, but it's something that I grew up with that was important to me. And I want to rediscover that. And so to now fast forward 13 years later to them talking about it on the show, to celebrating Mason's bar mitzvah, 
we really saw Scott on this evolution and this journey of, of like kind of his own identity. Oh, totally. And then, you know, separate and apart from that, when Chris is saying in her confessional that she's oftentimes asked, what is her favorite moment from the show ever? And she will always say, when Mason was born, which I mean, was aside from it being one of the most iconic Kardashian episodes of all time where Courtney quite literally pulled him out of her. It was also the birth of the next generation of Kardashians. And obviously that has become a huge part of the family. And so I think, you know, for Chris to say that moment in her confessional, you have this moment as the viewer of like, whoa, we've been on this ride with them for a while. Well, we always say Mason's birth was a real turning point for the Kardashians as viewers and where the show was headed because prior to Mason being born, it was a show about sisters at its core. Yeah, of course, Chris was there. Of course, Scott's plots were important. But like at its core, this was a show about three sisters and the rest of the family really navigating this world of business. The second Mason was born, it really became this show about like following the family. It was a huge switch that I don't think we really recognized in the moment. Oh, I mean, in a huge way for so many different reasons. And obviously, if we just want to zone in on the one that was closest to home was the dynamic between Courtney and Scott and how you know, her priorities really shifted. And we got one of the most famous lines, which is, I love you, but I love Mason more. And kind of just seeing how that sentiment followed them through the ups and downs of their relationships, because it was no longer just the two of them. There was now this other person, this other life that was just objectively more important to her. And we got to follow that. I also feel like Courtney physically pulling Mason out while giving birth to him was like one of the first viral moments on Kardashians. Like, yes, we have so many viral moments from the earlier seasons, but I feel like the, because of the way social media was structured at the time, the you're doing amazing, sweetie, or the, as her mom, I wanted to kill her, but as her manager meme, like all of those kind of resurfaced once social media started getting big and memes started becoming a thing. But I feel like the way that social media was hitting at the exact same time that Mason was being pulled out of Courtney was like one of those like first like in the moment viral moments. Something that I'm really curious about is will Courtney allow cameras in the delivery room with this pregnancy? You know what? I'm going to say yes. We were in cameras with her during the IVF journey. We saw a lot of that with her and Travis. And I feel like more than anything else, Courtney is such a sentimental person that exactly the way that Mason and Penelope and Rain's births happened, she'll want to have recreated those moments to be the exact same and carry on the tradition. Okay. So my initial answer to that question after I asked it like internally, because this is the first time I've ever thought about that was no, just because I was thinking, you know, she will probably really want to protect the privacy and intimacy of a moment like that. And as she always says, really protect her love story with Travis. Then as you were talking and I was thinking about it a little bit more, I'm more so leaning towards yes. I mean, at the very least, I think she will certainly have it videoed, whether those are the Hulu cameras or her own personal videographers that she would then give the show some footage to be able to use. I just think if there's one part of Courtney's life that she is consistently willing to showcase on the show, it is her being a mother. And I think in the past, like you said, she's derived so much pride from being able to bring the audience into that moment because it's something that she forget about feeling so proud of, like she just feels so connected to. So I guess my answer is leaning more towards yes, even though initially I was thinking no. The other side of it with my answer still being yes, I think we'll get that moment on the show is that 
as much as Courtney complains about the show and the cameras and everything that comes along with it, the thing that stays consistent with Courtney is that it's not the show she's complaining about. It's anything that she doesn't want to be talking about or doing having to be on the show. When she is happy and in love and sharing the best moments of her life, she's thrilled to have the cameras there. She only wants the narrative to be what she wants it to be. So to have this moment on the show of her giving birth to the child of her and Travis, I think to me, and I think for her, probably feels like the most perfect moment to capture on film. Yeah, no, I'm going with yes. That is my final answer. And and we totally could be wrong, but I just think Courtney never feels more powerful than in those moments. And I think it is a side of herself that she will really want to showcase on some level. I, I do. You know what else I was thinking about during this episode? I wonder if Scott and Courtney had a conversation or if it was a more official conversation about Scott not mentioning Courtney because he does not say her name one time, like not even in a conversation about co-parenting, not in a conversation about any sort of, not that he's complaining about Courtney. Like, I don't think that he's interested in having any sort of conversation about the relationship between him and Courtney or the relationship between Courtney and Travis. But I mean, there's nothing that he brings up anymore. I don't think it was a conversation between the two of them, but I certainly think it was a very intentional and has been a very intentional move on Scott's part. Do you think that that was with the purpose of, I want to be on the show more than I don't want to be on the show, and I want to be with them more than I don't want to be with them? And so I'm consciously making the decision that if I'm going to be included in these spaces and included in what in all of the things that I want to be included in, that not speaking about Courtney comes with the territory? Or was that Scott saying, for my own self? I can't keep holding on to these feelings that I have towards Courtney. And so I am just going to entirely let it go. And I am going to exist as my own person. And when you see me on camera, I don't want any part of my story to include Courtney in the same way that she didn't want any part of her story to include him. I'm going with the latter there. Because honestly, if I'm Scott and I'm watching last season where Courtney is having a very honest conversation, kind of a fourth wall break, talking about Scott's involvement in the show and the way that she feels, you know, him continuously sharing his feelings around her and Travis's situation almost overshadows their fairy tale. Like if I'm him, I'm not going to say that I'm pissed, but I'm certainly not loving it. And the last thing that I want to do is then contribute to that. Because there's no I just have to imagine there's no part of Scott that looks back on that whole situation in terms of not necessarily the way that he was talking about it, because I think there's nothing wrong with him processing his feelings in real time, but the way that it was received by her and the way that it was almost villainized is the wrong word, but the way that it was made into something that I don't believe his intention was at all. I'm staying as far away from it as physically possible. And also, like in addition to all of that, I think it's so much more fun for Scott to lean into this side of himself. You know, he is at his best when he is the lighthearted commentator that's bringing some great one-liners and also some very heartfelt moments. For example, when he's in the dollhouse with Chloe at Dream's birthday, just saying how he's in total awe of her. You know, like I think if I'm Scott, that's so much more the quote character of me that I that I want to really deliver. You know how we always have the conversation of like, is there ever a point where Courtney and Scott can get to where they can be friends again? I feel like so often when we have that conversation, it's from the angle of like, will Courtney ever get to that point? I'm so curious because it's been two seasons now since we've gotten any sort of 
feelers on how Scott's feeling towards the whole situation. I mean, obviously we know the place that he was in in season one of the Kardashians. Season two of the Kardashians, he was MIA. And now he hasn't mentioned anything about Courtney one single time this season. And so it's been a pretty large gap that we're in where we don't really know how he's feeling about this. I'm curious if the idea of them ever becoming friends down the road is something that he even would be interested in anymore. It's such a really wild place that we've gotten to where as you're talking, I have this moment of like, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that Scott desires. Whereas if you would have asked me this a year ago, I would have told you that he would have moved mountains, you know, just to be able to have a friendly lunch with her at Casa Vega. And now I'm like, I don't know if if he feels that it's necessary for her to fit into his life in that way or him to fit into her life in that way. Again, of course, I say that with the baseline understanding that like there is a very healthy co-parenting relationship going on, nothing but respect and showing the kids, you know, nothing but a very healthy dynamic between the two of them. So like, of course, that aside, I don't know. I, I, I just... I don't really think, I'm not saying it it couldn't happen or it would never happen. I'm just saying that I don't think Scott longs for it in the way that I once thought he did. I also think that if Scott longed for it still in the way that he once did, like you said, I almost feel like the reason that he would be longing for it is to maintain the relationship with the family. Like that was one of the reasons he was so upset in the first season of of the Kardashians. And we kept saying this where everyone's so focused on his feelings for Courtney, but what he was most upset about was being left out of family things and not being invited to dinners and not being included in all of the things he once was. And that's where so much of his upset came from. And now what we're looking at in season three is, is he being invited to Thanksgiving in Palm Springs? No. But is he being invited to Dream's birthday party? And is he being invited for Margarita's with Kim and Chloe? And is he being invited to more of those things that he was upset about in season one? Yes. And so I think that feeling of like longing for some relationship with Courtney, it actually doesn't necessarily need to exist for him because not that Courtney was a means to an end, but since the breakup, what Scott was searching for was family. Like in the time where they were really getting along, yes, so much of that was about him being in love with Courtney still, but so much of it also was how much he loved being a part of the family. And so I think for him now in this current era of, I can't have Courtney, it's not an option for me. Like, and I don't necessarily want to anymore after what we've been through together. There's too much hurt there, both sides. But as long as I've got the family, like I'm good. I don't need to push a friendship in order to maintain my position in their lives because my position in their lives is being maintained by itself. Well, the irony of the whole situation is that like, if we want to look at this in its simplest form, like if we really are taking the skeletons of what you just said, and again, nobody is accusing Scott of viewing Courtney as a means to an end, but like just going down that line of thinking for a second, (laughs) the ironic part is that Courtney as her and everyone else will say, was so in her own and has been so in her own world with Travis that like, it wouldn't even work in that way. Like Courtney wasn't even seeing the family. As Kim says this week, it was the first time that they were really hanging out in a while. And that wasn't just because they were fighting. Like Courtney really had been doing her own thing that even if Scott had this beautiful friendship maintained with Courtney, that wasn't even a guarantee that he was invited to family hangs because Courtney wasn't really hanging with the family. Right. If we really, I would say like, want to, you know, analyze this, in terms of like their relationship and how it fits in, aside from everything else that we just mentioned in terms of like, you know, him seeing the way that she reacted and definitely saying, all right, I don't need to voice that. 
Also, him not doing that guarantees his ability to be around them more because she specifically doesn't want that being talked about. Like she would not have been okay, I don't think, with a scene of Kim, Chloe, and Scott sitting at Casa Vega talking about whatever he's feeling towards her. You know, so like if anything, he his in to continue these hangouts in this way, filmed or not filmed, is probably talking about it less. <laughs> what would you give for the conversation between Scott and Kim? that you know took place, you know took place off camera during their fight. I'm going to tell you right the fuck now, Julie. If I am Kim and that whole thing goes down and I walk out of Courtney's bedroom after our conversation and I'm gearing up for a few weeks down the line when I'm about to deliver that fucking Emmy award-winning monologue about you stole my wedding country and my confessional, you know who I am calling for my pre-confessional hype up? Scott Disick. Scott. There is no other person that I want to talk to on the phone before I sit down in front of those Hulu cameras and really get in touch with my anger towards Courtney than Scott Disick. Not because he has that same anger in this moment, but because if there is one person in the entire family that understands it and understands what it can be like to be, quote, up against Courtney, it's Scott. Yep. You know what it is? It's not even a pre-conversation hype up. It's like, In that moment, you want to analyze Courtney. You want to do the debrief with somebody who knows her so well and like knows exactly the points that she's hitting on that's driving you crazy. All of the shit that you want to say about her, where you want to like analyze all of her behaviors and the way that she handles conflict and the way that you've had conversations. And of course, you can do that with Chloe. But Chloe has her threshold of how much she's going to go and how much she's going to say, where Scott, off the record, is not obligated to have any sort of threshold, but all he has is a wealth of knowledge and nothing to do with it. Exactly. And you know what it is? Remember how a few weeks ago we were talking about the infamous Eunice DM? Because that DM, which was obviously entirely unacceptable and inexcusable and inappropriate, specifically given the fact that it was to Eunice, the tone of it was though, like, is she serious? This freaking PDA in the middle of Italy. Like the the current situation in terms of how she was acting is like something that he could talk about with that same tone, but about a topic that he's fully allowed to talk about. You know, it's almost like getting out that same type of frustration, but in a way that is like allowed. You know, when they say... It's not talking shit. It's analyzing behavior. Like Mm -hmm. it's not talking shit. It's just saying what the other person did. Like that is, this is that version of that. Like it's not talking shit. It's not Eunice. It's just analyzing behavior. Me and my sister having a conversation about her sister slash my ex. But like, and also if I'm Kim and Scott, that is my fucking mantra. That is like, he leaves her room and they look at each other and they're like, it's not talking shit. It's analyzing behavior. Oh, they're taking that shit to the grave. Grave, grave. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over-the-counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid-free allergy spray. 
and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so this recap is definitely going to be a little less scientific than normal because many of these scenes don't require such deep analysis. But the first one... <laughs> Our podcast has been scientific. <laughs> Get on there, Oppenheimer. <laughs> Women in STEM. No, but like, come on. We have broken this shit down in a serious way. And like, I just know that this one is not going to be there, no? What do you think science is? <laughs> like methodical, like whatever the verbal equivalent of like uncovering a math equation. Okay, keep going. <laughs> get, get on there, Einstein. Keep going. Ah. Wait, should we tell them, guys? Just like for context, it was so hot in the city today that we had to get out of there. So me and Julie are back in Jersey in my childhood home. I'm upstairs. She's downstairs. <laughs> And like the second row, we were just going to go and hang out with my dad. But it's just funny doing it in the same house. We haven't done this since Florida. About a minute before we recorded, we like literally ran upstairs like little kids. And and Emma was like, <laughs> before we record, let's just go quickly say hi to my dad. And then we'll go back downstairs. Like we literally turn into <laughs> kids when we come here. It's so fun though, right? Yeah, it's my favorite thing in the world. Okay, so this first scene, we're at Chloe's house. She's on FaceTime with Rob discussing planning Dream's birthday party. And in her confessional, she says, Rob does such an incredible job with her and I'm just here to help whenever he needs. Rob and I are crazy close to one another. I mean, we've always been, but you know, I do not have a relationship with Dream's mom. It was just hard to have a relationship with someone when they sue you for hundreds of millions of dollars. And the producer asks the brilliant question that we have all been wondering, which is, do you think Rob would ever come back to the show? He talked about it a lot. He does. But I do know Rob has been through a lot personally, but he's literally the best dad I know. And I'm so proud of him for that. And I know that he's feeling really good about himself and I'm happy for him. So I have faith that soon he'll be back on the show. Which is like, I mean, a really fucking big deal for this question to even come up for then Chloe to give the response in that way. Just for a moment of background, it's unclear exactly, but he stepped away from the show 
around season 13 of Keeping Up, which was in 2017. Robin China was on the air from 2016 to 2017. And he's appeared on occasion on various episodes of Keeping Up, including, you know, a couple of episodes in the final season. But in The Kardashians thus far, we haven't seen him. I mean, we've seen a moment of his arm at Chris's birthday dinner, like little bits here and there, but pretty much nothing. I mean, nothing to speak of. And so not to sound like really optimistic, but Chloe saying this made me feel like they're gearing us up for a potential cameo. I'm not saying in season three, but maybe in season four. I mean, this was like, I thought the answer would have been no, never, not in a million years. Rob is so happy. He's a great dad, but you know, the show is not for him and whatever, whatever. The reason that I'm so shocked to hear Chloe say yes is because it's not like we get these glimpses of Rob out in public or we see him at events, like nothing. You know what I mean? Like no paparazzi photos. I mean, you could study that footage of Dream's birthday party and I don't even think you would see Rob off in the distance in the corner anywhere. Like nothing at Courtney's wedding. We're not even sure if he was there or not. Like there has been so many major, major life events where you don't even get a glimpse of Rob except for that one episode in the first season of the Kardashians where he's at the table and it was like, we couldn't believe that we were getting that footage. And so to go from not seeing him ever seen in public to, yeah, there's a chance that he could be on the show is like, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. But here's my thing and tell me what you think about this. I don't think that they would have asked that question if the answer wasn't going to be something that would lead you to believe yes. There would be absolutely no purpose or benefit to them asking that question if the answer was a resounding no. Because part of the game in all of this is keeping the public interested, keeping the public curious. If Chloe got on there and said, no, Rob will never make his return to reality TV. He is totally done with this. He had his time. Listen, not to be very clear, it's not like anyone's just stopping watching because we've been watching to see if he's going to show up, obviously. But to me, this felt intentional. Like, it. Here, here's what I mean. It is, in my opinion, very clear that there's a reason they have not even spoken about this concept once. They talk about everything else, but they have not in a very long time spoken about Rob's complete removal from anything to do with this. To me, if they're mentioning it in this way, there's reason behind it. Yeah, potentially. I mean, on the other hand of that is that I think that this season producers have been doing an excellent job of asking questions that we want to know. And it doesn't necessarily have a larger meaning of what's to come for the remaining episodes or the remaining seasons of the show. And it's just asking the questions that wouldn't be asked anyway. And so this could certainly fall into that category. I guess the fact that Chloe gave it any life at all leads me to believe that there is a chance that you're correct. Although I could have seen them asking and the answer being no. So I don't know. I mean, I would be really, really fucking floored to see Rob on the show again. But by the way, in the last season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, like he made a couple of cameos. Like it's not like he left the show in 2017 and was never to be seen from again. I mean, if you remember in that episode where they're all at the house. I think it's the episode where they're doing like that Iron Man competition. Rob is fully there. He's in that yellow shirt. We saw him a little bit. So it wouldn't, I, I, you know, my memory of where Rob plays into things and what he's willing to be at is, I will admit, a little bit blurred. No, mine too. And just to be clear, I'm not saying that I think he's going to be on this season of Kardashians. I am just saying, 
I think, and again, I could absolutely be wrong, but if you ask me in this moment, I think seasons four or five of the Kardashians were seeing a little bit of Rob. I hope so. But anyway, I mean, that scene with Chloe and Rob, obviously it was the intro to the larger conversation of Chloe's role in Dream's life, which we will talk about as the episode goes on. But really the moment to talk about there was just that confessional because I think you guys were probably as shook as we were about that. Next scene, we're at Courtney's house. This is when they're discussing doing the Christmas album. We have the vocal coach there. Nothing really to mention here other than like, this is the exact type of OG Kardashian activity. Anytime they're together and they're fucking around in this way and Kim's going into the other room to make plans to (laughs) contact somebody who is in a higher position than they are so that her thing comes out perfect only to walk into the room to find that Kris Jenner just calling the same person. Like that's the shit I live for. That is the dumb shit that is just entertaining. Well, and also Chloe saying, you know, yeah, they still kind of want to kill each other, but this is what we do. We just brush it under the rug and like we keep going, which it's true to form. I mean, that's what we were talking about last week. One thing that they're going to do is suppress it. Not to say they haven't worked through it, but it's not like it's entirely over (laughs) as evidenced by Kim in the black fucking wedding dress and veil in Puglia, which I know we talked about on Tuesday, but I'll never get over that till the day I die. But all to say, what I really did want to mention in this scene is like when they're asking Kim to do the vocal exercise and she has that moment of being so shy. These are the parts of Kim where it's like, yes, in so many ways, she's so different than when they started, but she's so the same. Like no matter the success that she achieves and the level of respect that she has commanded in her life, these basic activities that just feel so inherently uncomfortable to her will still bring her so much embarrassment. And it is one of my favorite things about her. It's like, how are you literally about to go for a $4 billion valuation for Skims pre-IPO, but then like the act of singing in front of your family is mortifying? Like that is the exact types of juxtaposition that makes me continually into her. But you know what's so interesting is that how Kim was in the vocal coach exercise when it's just her and the family and they're having them do these exercises and she really doesn't want to do it. Not as much as Chloe, may I add, who usually I feel like gets into things. But the second that Kim is in the studio and North is with her, immediately she is like past the being embarrassed thing. Like she gets right into it. She's singing what she needs to sing. She does that little Santa baby, like North being there. And I don't know whether it's... um purposely doing it for the sake of North seeing her step out of her comfort zone, or if it's the fact that her and North have just been goofing around so much on TikTok and doing things that she would normally never put out online, that North's presence is almost comforting to her in a way where she's like, I'm so used to doing this with North. As long as North is here, I can channel that part of me. But there was a very clear difference between North being there and North not being there. It's such a great point. And I think it's because Kim Kardashian, the mother, which of course she always is a mother, but in the actual moments of mom mode, I do think there is a playfulness about her and a lack of embarrassment that is is very evident. And I think it's a combination of everything you said. I, it's just generally North's presence that I think the word I'm going to use is like so antithetical to everything about Kim, but it's the perfect word for this. It's like, she's just down to be a little goofy. Yeah. Yeah, and you know? she's so not goofy. Yeah, she's so not goofy. Like that is just not Kim. But she, that, she's down for that. Yeah, that confessional where Chloe says, 
I don't want to be doing this. I don't know what I ever did to deserve this. This is torture. This is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. That is going to be the most viral TikTok sound this week. By the way, that is literally me with anything having to do with my car, whether it's an oil change or having to bring it in for maintenance. Like I just do not want to have to deal with it. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. This next scene was just a phenomenal one. We have Chloe, Kim, and Scott at Casa Vega for dinner, which as a side, before we get into any of their conversation, this is an example of a scene where, to me, the restaurant is the fourth character here because we have been eaten in Casa Vega with them for years now. And so it just felt like a very familiar backdrop. It was, I could have watched a hundred hours of them sitting in the booth. What I wanted for this scene was it to be like, an insanely long scene where there was like a little marg counter at the bottom where it's like they kept getting progressively drunker throughout the night and like progressively more ridiculous. I can't even tell you. It was all I wanted. I did not have on my bingo card Kim ordering a strawberry Oh my margarita. God. I'm like, no. whoa, who are you? No. Oh wait, by the way, ordering a strawberry margarita with these long green nails. Who is she? I don't recognize her. Obviously, they start off with just some rumors that are going around about them, and they bring up the CGI tier accusation, which just as a refresher, this was from season two, episode one of the Kardashians, when Kim is in her confessional in the black top, 
slick back bun, two pieces, and she's talking about hoping that Chloe finds love following the cheating scandal. And there was so much discussion over whether or not this was a CGI tear. And just to hear them directly acknowledge it, there's something about that that like scratches a very specific itch in my brain. Well, because we're always constantly curious what they know, like what viral moments that are being spoken about are they aware of? Like, And you know what? It always catches me off guard how much they know. It's like, of course they saw that. Because when Kim says, I see everything, I look through everything, she's not kidding. Like that TikTok that Chloe pulled up where it was like, the reason that the Kardashian curse exists is because generations and generations ago, a witch put a curse on the whole family, meaning that they would have like endless success, but at the expense of their romantic relationships. Like, I don't mean to say I didn't even see that, but like, I didn't even see that. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, though. Kim definitely sees all of it, and I don't think that it impacts her that much. I think the issue is that Chloe sees more of it than she would like to, and it does impact her. Not that specifically, but like, okay, let's talk about it in like the least serious terms if we just want to focus in on this episode. The reason that Chloe was so anxious about the audio scene wasn't because she had the same embarrassment Kim had in terms of doing that in front of the family. It's because Chloe already knows and in her head is already thinking about what the internet will say if her non-auto-tuned voice is on the show. And like she's protecting herself from how mean people can be, even when it's something so minor and so harmless as this. Like you're not seeing her respond to the a fear of singing in the way that Kim is. You you're seeing her responding to a fear of trolls. But I don't even think that's something that's conscious where she's like recording that song and she's like, oh, I have to like be auto-tuned because people are going to say things. I think it's just that version of Chloe that was so carefree and didn't give a fuck and approached every single thing in her life with like the most fuck it attitude just can't exist anymore. It's not like she's sitting here being like, if I sing without auto-tune, the internet's going to tear me apart. It's just like the way that the internet has torn her apart repeatedly has just I mean, I mean this very literally altered her brain chemistry. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it all falls under that general umbrella. With this particular thing, I did think it was a little bit more specific. Like I felt like I could see her wheels turning of knowing and predicting what the reaction was going to be and just simply not wanting to deal with it. But yes, I 1,000 million percent agree. And it's such an unfortunate reality that I so wish was not the case. But yeah, I absolutely feel that Chloe, even subconsciously, just approaches life in a very different way. As, as a result of all of this. And she, and you know, the thing is, she's like the first one to say it. Oh, of course. I mean, but then in this scene, we get into a little bit of that conversation because after Chloe brings up that video of the like, quote, witch's curse, they have that conversation again about how like, it is such a sexist thing that the men in the family or the men that have been brought into the family can do whatever they want. And it's somehow always the women's fault and the men are never held accountable. And in like, I guess a shocking, but if you're paying attention, not entirely shocking moment, they like give Lamar his flowers by saying like, no, Lamar always comes to our defense. Like, and Kim's like, actually, I'd like to give out a few thank yous. Thank you, Lamar, for like everything. And we're like, we have gotten Lamar's name mentioned now in two episodes. We are getting more Lamar mentions than I ever thought. It's like, okay, can I be my most honest? And we've had this discussion a million times. I'm not trying to get into it, but I'm just telling you like where my mind initially went when I saw this. 
let me be very clear. There is absolutely zero part of me that hopes or wishes or thinks that Chloe and Lamar will ever get back together. Every single piece inside of me feels as though that ship has sailed and rightfully so, and it's so much better that they are not together. However, I am still not strong enough that when that is mentioned for one split second, I forget where I am and I'm like, is there a world? And then immediately it shuts down and it's like, no, absolutely not. But I, I, it's like, I don't know if it's because we were just watching Chloe and Lamar, but I just still feel out of any relationship we've seen that she has had when it was good, it was the best out of anyone. And again, I do not want that for her. And I'm so looking forward to this next romantic phase of her life with someone who will treat her beautifully from start to finish. But like, God, it it just, every time they mention it, it just brings me back. I know. And I have to tell you, it is definitely because of where we are in our rewatch of Kardashians, because you can really romanticize specifically that relationship. Like there are so many parts of their past where you are able to romanticize wherever they were at that given time, but none more than Lamar. A TikTok clip recently came up for me where it was Chloe, Caitlin, Rob, yes. All together, okay? And Lamar calls Chloe and is just in a bad state. Like, is not a good state. I think he's locked out of the house or Chloe locked him out of the house, whatever it is. And then Chloe says that she's with Caitlyn and then Lamar calls Caitlyn to check to make sure that Chloe was with her. It was like a mess. And Rob is sitting there in confessional saying like, nobody but me knows what is really going on in this house. And it is just, this happens every night and it's such a terrible situation. And that clip like snapped me back because I was living in that place of like, I know it was bad with Lamar. Like, trust me, I'm not downplaying it. I'm not sugarcoating it. Like it was, no. Until you are watching those scenes where he is deep and thick in it and seeing what Chloe had to go through, you are sugarcoating it. You are automatically putting rose colored glasses on because to see how it really was and be reminded of that, like it, it snaps you back to reality real quick. No, I know exactly what scene you're talking about because I saw that TikTok too. And honestly, we should put the the link to it in the description if we can find it because it definitely will jolt you. I guess I'm just saying I wasn't expecting this many Lamar references in 2023 Kardashians and it catches me off guard every time, not at all in a bad way. But I do think it is important that we just verbatim for one second read this exact moment when Kim says, I just wish some of the guys would come to our defense. And Scott says, I will. I'll say it right now. I'm the one that made mistakes. And she says, look into the camera and say it. And Scott says, hey, everybody, I'm pretty sure you watched every other season from when we started the show and I fucked up a lot. And Kim then says, Lamar, Chloe says, Lamar's always come to our defense. And Kim says, I have a few thank yous I'd like to say. Thank you, Lamar. Thank you for always coming to our defense. Thank you for just keeping it real. Who else? And Chloe goes, you want the real list or the TV list? And we then get into a conversation about Tristan, which I want to go to in one second. I just have to say this moment of Scott Disick sitting at Casa Vega with Kim and Chloe looking into the camera, acknowledging that he has fucked up in the past was so deeply satisfying. It was like, for so many different reasons, but also just like from a cinematic perspective, this is the moment when I'm like, yes, the switch to Hulu was so goddamn necessary because he could have said that exact same thing and it would not have hit me the same until it was Kim saying to him, can you just look in the camera and say that? Like, you, Scott Disick, were talking directly to us. And by us, I mean us as viewers for the last 20 fucking seasons. By us, I mean me. I felt like me and him were having a conversation. 
So this is when Kim says that Tristan calls her to say that he's buying a house in Hidden Hills. Chloe kind of looks surprised as if she didn't know. Scott asks if she knew about it. And Chloe says, I mean, I knew he was looking in Hidden Hills before, like six or eight months ago. And Scott asks, where do you guys stand? Is there talks or chances? Chloe says, no, no chances. Scott says, you know, because if you felt like you wanted to open up your heart and forgive, I would support. And she said, no, I'm totally fine with him. I don't have any issues. Scott says, as you should be, because, you know, you're going to know each other forever. And Chloe says, and I just don't have the energy for issues. And then in her confessional, she's asked by the producer, have you forgiven Tristan? To which she says, yeah, I forgive Tristan. Doesn't mean I forget what he's done, but I forgive Tristan for me because I got to let that shit go. I need to for myself. I can't move on with my life if I'm holding on to this bullshit. Such a good scene and confessional combo. It's so funny hearing Scott say like, because you know, if you if you wanted to forgive him, like you, I... I have your back sort of thing where it's like, there's so many layers to that. It's one Scott speaking from the experience of having fucked up so many times where I don't think that he feels like he has a position to say who should be holding who accountable. Like, I feel like he's almost like, this isn't my cross to bear. Like I, I can't be the person to tell you not to forgive somebody when I've expected forgiveness from all of you time and time and time again. But I also feel like that was Scott in the moment, like so cherishing his relationship with Chloe, where he's like, even if you make a terrible mistake again, like I got you, like I'm not going anywhere. And like, I will, like, I don't want you to be afraid to not be able to come to me. Yes, certainly a combination of the two. And I just think that for Scott, one of the most important things for him is that Chloe knows exactly, as you said, like his eternal support for her. Yeah. Honestly, I feel that way with, Kim and with Scott the most out of anyone in the family in terms of their approach to Chloe. Not, I don't mean that they factually support her more. That's not what I mean. I think they are all deeply supportive of her. But I'm saying, I think that like they want that to be known so strongly for her. Yeah, I think so too. It's also interesting getting a glimpse into this relationship that Kim and Tristan have where, you know, you would think that Kim would be the most like fiercely protective of Chloe and in a lot of ways she is. But it, it's clearly the person that Tristan feels the most comfortable maintaining a relationship and reaching out to and, and giving updates to and having some sort of a friendship with where like you'd kind of expect that Kim would be like, no, fuck Tristan. But she's she's really not. And I guess that was really evident also when we saw her at Tristan's basketball games. Well, I mean, the, the reason that you would expect her to be the most like fuck you, Tristan, aside from how hard she rides for Chloe is because she was the leader of that. I mean, she remember when Tristan blocked her? I mean, there was no one that was going harder at him than than she was. And I mean, it's almost like the 180 that she did was actually in support of Chloe because Kim coming down so hard on Tristan was actually causing Chloe so much anxiety. And I think like this whole switch up happened where Kim had to, Aside from change her strategy, it was just like, I don't know how to necessarily articulate exactly what it was, but clearly there was a very intentional switch that happened there. So much so that, yeah, what is the most ironic thing about this? Kim is now Tristan's safest place in the family. Yeah. I mean, she was the one, she was the one in the delivery room making the like throw up face behind his back. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa. I don't know who that speaks to. I don't know if that speaks to Kim or if that speaks to, I know this is wrong to say, but just how charming Tristan is that he's able to fuck up time and time again and still 
maintain this relationship because if Tristan didn't operate with this level of charm, not only would Chloe have not wound up in this position over and over again, but also like Kim wouldn't have been sucked in. And I'm not saying that Kim's forgiven him. And I'm not saying that Kim is like fully back team, anything like that. I don't think she wants Chloe and Tristan together if her life depended on it. But there is still a piece of Kim that clearly, I know this sounds dumb, but like likes Tristan. Uh, It doesn't sound dumb. I I feel that way too. It's listen, this has gone to the point where like she's not now just doing it to like support Chloe. If anything, <laughs> I think Chloe's like, no, no, we're good on that. Like uh, <laughs> no need. It's weird, like, yeah. right? It's it's not I don't I'm not gonna say that it's a weird. I think most people would disagree. Like I think the majority of people would say that it's weird and think that it's weird. I'm past the point of thinking that it's weird just because of like the very unique way that this family um sustains relationships even after like deeply questionable events have occurred. It's more so just interesting to me. So crazy dynamic. It's a crazy dynamic. I know. I know. Okay. Next scene, we're in the studio with Travis. Again, nothing overwhelming to mention here in terms of analysis. It's just like a very, very fun scene to watch. And then also the little Kendall Kylie cameo. If you were going to describe Travis using one word, what would it be? Just like happy to be there. Patient. That is the most patient motherfucker I have ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I mean, he does seem to be relatively unfathered. It's such a nice way to live. It's such an interesting dynamic with him and Courtney and Courtney and the family because one of the responses I think a lot of people had to Courtney, which I actually personally didn't agree with, was like they felt like a lot of Courtney pulling away from the family had to do with maybe Travis. I don't want to say isolating her, but like whether it was purposeful or not, like feeling like that was a piece of it and kind of putting a little bit of blame on Travis for that. Whereas like when you watch the way that Travis is with the family and interacting with them and how happy he is to be with them, I think if anything, he really wants Courtney to get over whatever it is that's holding her back so that he can spend time with them in a different capacity. I think he so enjoys being around all of them and loves the idea of being in this really big family and is so obviously respectful of Courtney and her boundaries. And so if she doesn't want to be involved in something or she wants to remove herself from something, that is his main priority. But I think that if she didn't, he would be thrilled. Well, I think he just has a lot of fun with them. I mean, can can you blame him? Wouldn't you want no, to be in the studio with Chris Jenner making a Christmas album? Although, yeah, like to your point about the patience, if I'm Travis and I have a deadline to get my Blink-182 album in and, and Kim's over here doing a fucking like seducing Santa, yeah, I'm probably like, all right, <laughs> pack it up, Marilyn. <laughs> you were losing, pack it up, Marilyn. You were losing it. I was losing it. Yeah, Julie Julie watched the episode first. And then again, before we recorded, I watched and she watched it with me. And like, I'm such a um, reactive television watcher. Like I, if I laugh, <laughs> I'm laughing, if, right? Like I, I am, I don't know. I'm always like, even if you weren't there, that's how I would have been. And- Understatement of the fucking <laughs> century. You have never, ever in your life seen a person watch TV. I've never seen anything like it either. Like when we were in Florida and I was in the other room, I would hear you watching TV alone and like, be full speaking out loud, full answering like, oh yeah, no, I totally felt that too. I'm like, 
I know you're not talking to me and I know you're not watching with anybody. Who are you saying this to? <laughs> I don't know. I like. I also think it's Kardashian, not Kardashian specific because I do it a lot, but like it does come out the most with Kardashians because I, f- I really feel like I am talking to them. Uh, but yeah, I was, when Kim started to just go full, like, porn star I I was losing it I was just losing it and by the way it's exactly what I would expect it and then and then when Chloe's like yes you breathy motherfucker (laughs) she was killing me truly killing me god this episode was just fun it was just fun and by the way by the way Corey another one killing me me and Corey have the same singing voice right (laughs) I think he's better (laughs) I think so too So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like Generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, moving on to Dream's sixth butterfly birthday party. This was, despite some opinions, confirmed this was at Rob Kardashian's house, aka Kris Jenner's old home. And it is so wild when you see that scene of Dream blowing out the candles and like it, you know, flashes for a second into the kitchen and you can see that is the old Kardashian kitchen, like 100% confirmed. I had that moment of when it flashed to dream blowing out her candles and it was it's like so clearly in that kitchen of like, wow, the the life events that have taken place in this kitchen, you know, like think about the last time we saw the family all there together, how much of a different, not, not necessarily the last time, but like the last time that that house was the, 
hub of Kardashians. We were in a whole other world. Caitlyn was married to Chris. Oh my God. I mean, so much happened in that house. So much. I know. I feel like all of my life events happened while they were in that house. Yeah. I remember Kylie and Kendall's graduation party. There's so many things. I mean, and talk about a moment, by the way, because those, exactly what I was saying about Mason being born, changing the trajectory of Kardashians, they moved into that house around the same time. And like, that was representative of like a new era of wealth. And obviously when they moved into that house, what they have now is incomparable. Like they are, it's just, it's a whole other world now. But what that represented was like such a leveling up of the Kardashians and like such a new wave of like, okay, we're not just like, you know, we we had it before we were this family in this ranch in Calabasas. It's not like we were lacking, but like what we're doing is working. No, exactly. And I, I remember that time vividly as I'm sure you do. And okay, so going back to this scene, this is when Chloe's in her confessional. She says, I do feel like I'm a third parent to Dream, I guess. I do know how important it is for Dream to have a great maternal influence, whether that be from me or her own mom or whoever. It's important and wherever she gets it from, she gets it from. And Chris says in her confessional, if you have Chloe for your auntie, you're probably the luckiest kid in the universe. And this is when Scott and Chloe are in the dollhouse and Scott's saying, you know, it's so great for Chloe to do this with everything she has going on and she takes care of so many people. and he's talking about how she kind of is somewhat of a co-parent to dream. And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm the third parent, the third wheel as always. And he says, you're not the third wheel. You're like the wheel that makes the cart move. What a line, right? I know that the bulk of this scene is really the relationship between dream and Chloe. And we have spent a lot of time both on the podcast and not on the podcast. And fans have spent a lot of time, I feel like trying to really analyze what that relationship is and why it exists. Like, I know there's so many different layers to that. All I could focus on is how sweet this relationship between Scott and Chloe is and how much he is just like, the way we talk about the way that people admire Kim and Scott certainly admires Kim in that way too. It's like the way that Scott and Chris admire Chloe is like my favorite dynamic. It's like I, they yeah. admire Kim in a way they're like so in awe of her and the person that she is and the businesswoman she is and the leader of the, the way that they admire Chloe is like you would do anything to have somebody describe you in that way. Oh, I mean, if I'm Chloe, that just makes me feel so good. You know, to have people in your life, even people so close to you that just express their gratitude for your very existence in the way that both. Scott and Chris do, I think is very, very special and something that we should all be so lucky to have, even when they're people that are so close to us. And that can kind of go without saying, yeah, I I completely agree. And listen, you know, this scene, of course, we hear from Chloe's perspective, her relationship with Dream and her role in Dream's life. But of course, after the fact on social, you know, people had a lot to say about it. And she ended up posting these Insta stories that was like, listen, I do not even want to go there. Life is challenging as it is. Rob's doing the best he can. Angela's doing the best she can. I'm doing the best that I can. We're all trying to do our best in life. Like, please keep this narrative of the Kardashians versus China out of the equation, specifically as it applies to Dream, which like, in all fairness, I think when she made the, you know, no, we don't have a relationship. How could I have a relationship with someone who's suing us for hundreds of millions of dollars? That probably ignited some of it. Not that I blame her for making that comment, but I have to imagine that, you know, sparked something. But you could see that she like, that's not that's not the type of narrative she wants to see circulating for dream's sake, you know? Yeah, I mean, listen, I am sure they have a lot to say that they don't say. And 
I think that we would all be lying if we watched this episode and then didn't have a certain type of feeling about or a certain type of opinion about the way that the co-parenting and the way that Chloe fits into that relates to dreams, parenting and all of that stuff. But I, I, and again, this is one where I think they knew this was going to happen. The narrative was going to be run with however it was presented in the show. And it was presented in the show to be a certain way, even if they were kind of trying everything in their power to have it not fully be the case. You know what it is? I think that when you're talking about it and you're being really conscious of your word choice, that's one thing. When you see it in writing and you see other people having that conversation, that's when you're like, okay, now I'm uncomfortable by that, even if I kind of caused it a little bit. And so, it was interesting to see Chloe react really quickly and shut everything down. Yeah. I mean, I think that she also wanted to go on record that when something like this arises in this way, that this is going to be her official response, you know? Yes. Like it's definitely. important to her to have that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, anything else aside, like just her relationship with Rob is, in my opinion, it has always been one of the most special among the individual sibling dynamics, not to rank them. I mean, they're of course all special, but like if we're comparing, you know, Kim and Rob or Courtney and Rob or anyone else and Rob is not Chloe and Rob and it ever has been. And Chloe's the first one to say that. And really it's like true and, and dream are being raised as siblings. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So we then have Courtney with Travis for his performance on James Corden, which is just like hilarious how James Corden has really made his way into the show. I feel like this is his fifth appearance. One thing about James Corden, he's going to be on the Kardashians. True. And we end with Thanksgiving in Palm Springs where the really the most significant thing here is Kim pulling that mini prank saying that she's going to be the bachelorette, which is like so random. <laughs> I mean, what a weird like ad integration. I don't know. I'm not going to disrespect us by like going further into this scene. <laughs> I thought when, which like before I saw anything just in the preview from last week where she's like, I have an announcement. I thought she was going to say American Horror Story. Oh, you thought it was going to be serious. Yeah, I guess I did too. I know I well, actually had no thought about what she was going to say. The reason that I thought that was because, do you remember how in her confessional from last week or two weeks ago, I don't even remember what the context was, but she's like, see guys, I'm a good actress. And she winked at the camera. Obviously in retrospect, that wink was because she knew that the American Horror Story deal was in the works, even though we didn't. So I thought that it was going to all be connected, but that wasn't the case. I guess not. No. Anyway, anything else that you would like to mention? Can't wait for next week. So classic us being like, yeah, you know, there wasn't really that much to say here. Amazing episode, but not so much to discuss. We'll probably be on for 35 minutes. It's now an hour and 27. A game I would like to play one time is like we get a hat of random Kardashian topics and we pull out of the hat and we can only record an episode based on that one topic and we have to see how long we can make the episode. I mean, challenge fucking accepted. Are you kidding me? That is a fun game. That is a fun game, right? That is an amazing game. Oh, wait, I wanted to say this. I'm going to say this again on Tuesday's episode, if I remember, but the last like week or two, we've been getting some DMs, not an overwhelming amount, not like to the point where it's like, holy shit, something's definitely happening, but enough where it was a little concerning of people being like, hey guys, don't know what's going on, but the episode randomly cuts off. And I think people assume maybe that it was an editing mistake because obviously that's what you would assume, but like, 
it's not because we listen to every episode minimally three times entirely through before it goes out. So we've reached out to our production team on their back end. Everything was totally normal. The most recent response that our producer got was, this is most likely related to local bandwidth issues when streaming an episode. If they download the episode fully before they hit play, the issue should go away. So when they were looking on the back end, it, there was nothing going on internally. It really seemed to be, I, I can't even say like an Apple issue or a Spotify issue because there really were glitches on both, but apparently, and when we've reached out to people, this has helped. If you can download in the episode beforehand, I just want to say like, I'm really sorry that that happened because I have to imagine how frustrating that is, especially because I feel like sometimes towards the ends of the episode is when we have the most fun. So like, how annoying is that to just randomly cut off? I just want to assure everyone it is not an editing mistake. It's not something that we're not catching in pre-production and that's happening. It's something that is glitching um, on the platforms. And we spoke to some of our other friends who were also in podcasting and this is, this is happening to them also. Like It's not just us, but I just want to acknowledge that you're not going crazy if that happens to you and we're looking into it and I'm really sorry because I can imagine how fucking annoying that must be. Yeah. All right, guys, we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And we'll be back on Tuesday for our regular episode. This is like the most fun thing ever. 